Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Happy Friday, everybody. It is the end of January. It is the last last Friday of January. I cannot believe the first month has already flown by. Um, but it's a good day because it is sunny outside here in Santa Rosa, still down in California. And today we have our first home inspector with us. I can't believe we have not interviewed a home inspector before this, but we got Tommy Har with us, who uh, he's an inspector and he's also done he has tons of experience, um, 100, 150 house flips, um, 150 plus wholesale deals, 65 unit rental portfolio, you know, all the experience you want, plus the inspection. So Tommy, I am super excited to jump into this. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Of course, Gabe, I appreciate your time, um, obviously in advance and super excited to, to build a relationship and chop it up. All right, let's do it. Um, I told you right before we got on here, we like to start with stories. So take us to the beginning of your story and to get started in real estate. Okay. So my dad has been a home inspector for right around 25 years. So he, one of the five kids, he started a, he bought a franchise about 25 years ago. So national property inspections is actually a nationwide uh, franchise. He bought it um, after he realized he was probably going to get fired from his job and kind of went all in and then during 07 08 09 I'm, not, I'm 29 so right around that time i was 12 13 14 he's he started a property preservation business and that's really kind of where i got my real estate roots so cleaning out houses for the banks so when the foreclosures were all happening cleaning out houses um boarding them up mowing the lawns winterizing changing locks yeah. So that's how I uh officially got my start and then graduated from college in 2017 and uh, that business had gone away, less foreclosures, less money. And I became a home inspector with my pops. Nice, man. Awesome. Um, I'm always you know, jealous of people who, who kind of had a family that was in real estate because you have so much experience that you're kind of walking into. Yeah. Um, so have, being a home inspector, I feel like gives you a huge leg up. Uh, when I got started, I did I did some flips, but I have no construction experience. I'm not a home inspector. So uh, yeah. I didn't really know what to look for. Obviously, the, the, the obvious things like a broken window, you know, sure. to repair, but there's a lot of other things that are below the surface that you just generally don't see. So, right. and I know this is difficult to, to kind of um, frame it from, you know, you being the experience that you've had, but what do you feel like, what do you feel like being a home inspector brought into your flipping business once you started actually getting into the flips? Um, the biggest thing for me now is, so from 2017 to probably 2021, I was, I was full-time inspecting. I was learning to invest on the side. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we inspected probably 5,000 houses, whether it was full inspections, draw inspections, and we were doing a lot. So yeah. a lot of day, um, walking a lot of houses. So all in Columbus, Ohio. So if if you're in the areas that much and you're driving around all day, you get to yeah. understand micro markets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also you get to understand the ages of the houses and what the common issues are with the houses in those areas. So Interesting. now I mean I have a full inspection or an investing company with about 10 people on staff, uh, primarily rooted in wholesaling. 
So as these leads come in, I know all the areas. Like you tell me a street, I can tell you the zip. I, you tell me the zip code, I can tell you the uh, the street, all that stuff, and um, I can tell you the issues that come along with the houses. So uh, major leg up when it comes to that. I can buy a lot of houses sight unseen because you can kind of use context clues as long as I have enough pictures. So that was probably the biggest thing that helped me out, just kind of repetitions. Yeah, and do you guys get a lot of leads um, from? Your, from your actual you know inspection business to your wholesaling business um not necessarily so when I was learning so I was trying to bridge the gap as a home inspector learning about investing I wanted to buy properties so that was like that's my end goal was a massive rental portfolio so I and I also wanted to wholesale because I was 23 at the time I had no I had no money so I I basically I, I rolled out what I called my investor inspection so I realized wholesalers had really bad pictures and they weren't telling the story of the houses. And I figured they were paying somebody like 50 bucks. So I went to the biggest guy in Columbus at the time. He was having meetups. I said, hey, I'll do it for 75 bucks. I'll give you 150 pictures, a one-page report. And I just kind of want to know what you know. 75 so that, bucks for, a, for an inspection? That seems really, really low. It, really low. So that, that was kind of the purpose. I wanted to be able to prove. I mean, I was still 23, 24. I was young. Um, I wanted to prove that I knew what I could do or tell them what I could do. And then also I wanted to see their systems. I wanted to see their process. I wanted to see how the, and I also wanted to see the wholesale deal. So before long, we were doing these investor inspections, what I call them, but for every wholesaler in in town. So they were just, they were just plugging them into my Google calendar and I was seeing all these deals. Now I go to the house and I would just talk to the sellers and kind of just pick their brain on why they're selling and all these things. So I was really just kind of immersing myself into that whole realm. It was like, it was a paid education. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus, you got to meet all of these different investors, um, really build your network that way. Yep. So uh, it sounds like wholesaling is is still your main, you know, your bread and butter when it comes to your business. Um, bread and butter as far as I, I, as deal flow goes. Yes. So we, we source probably eight to 12 to 15 contracts a month. Okay. So, and then we kind of, we, we look at it from three exits. We say, okay, how's our cash position? What's the return right here? Can we wholesale it for today? Is this something we even like to buy? Yeah. And then does it fit as a burr rental or is it fit as a flip? So I use my construction side mostly on the fix and flip and burr side. And then I have a business partner who was in car sales and he owned car lots for 10 years. So it was just kind of like the, the mixture of both worlds and it, and it worked out really well. Yeah. So he takes on the sales, you take on the the ops. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. Um, so wholesaling, I mean, that's a, uh, it is definitely how most people get in and you can build a big business out of it, but it's also a really difficult business just because of the churn. Um, and it yeah. really comes down to getting the contracts, getting the, you know, doing the marketing and having your systems really dialed in. So, um, yeah. what, what do you guys do to, I guess, at the beginning of the funnel, source the leads? Yeah. So we source the leads. We have a pretty in-depth system. So we, we, we pull lists from PropStream. So the beginning is very easy. So we're pulling, we're pulling lists from PropStream and then we're also getting free lists from the county. So like eviction lists, water shutoffs, delinquents, and we're putting it into what's called, uh, we're skip tracing them. So we're getting numbers and we're putting you, them into RDA. Skip trace. We've actually, um, sorry to jump into your story here. But oh, you're good. Data. So we do commercial, we don't do single family, but um, right. data has been our, our biggest problem is just finding good sources of data. And, you know, we've tried PropStream. Uh, I know like PropStream and, um, you know, a couple of the other ones, I can't remember, like Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. They really focus on single family, but we have, 
we have found that uh, we, we haven't found a good data source and it's just been the bane of our existence. We need to find a good data source. Yeah, you may need to go like to a nichier, like star, small startup type company because the biggest thing that I've learned being around the big players in the country is these big companies, they're just kind of white labeling the data they're getting anyway. Yeah. They're coming from one or two sources. Yeah. So it's really how can they grab the market share and just make their couple dollars on each on each transaction everybody's doing. So right now we're using KindSkip. It seems to get the same amount of hits and we're getting it three cents a record. So it just it's cheaper. It's better. Yeah. 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 Um, so I jumped into your story. You're talking about uh, sourcing leads, prop stream, go to the county, and then kind skip is just how it's yeah. So, skip. Yeah. yeah, I would say even before we skip trace, we're taking it into REI Sift. So REI Sift's a platform. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Um, yeah. a guy named Tyler Austin built it. It's a CRM slash data manager to make sure you're not re skip tracing items, making sure you're stacking your data, keeping oh. everything very clean record wise. And then we, if it, if we already have the record, it tags it again with the list that we pulled, and then it goes back out to skip trace, and then comes back in, and then it shoots out to marketing. Okay. Our marketing right now is uh, cold call and texting. Mm. Totally for five years straight. Um, no, and uh, as time, no direct mail. Nothing. No direct mail. No PPC. No SEO. None of that stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, direct mail. I mean, we. Um, it's definitely the most expensive, but we've, we've had a lot of luck with, uh, with direct mail. Um, we've seen a lot of pushback from texting, um, with yep. the, uh, with the actual platforms. Are you guys seeing the same things? Yeah. A couple months ago we used launch control and yeah, I mean, yeah. it, too, yeah. you kind of know what these, with these texting and re- with regulations, like they're kind of a get it while you can type business anyway. Yeah. So we're, we're riding it out with them. I, I think it'll still be a viable option for a little bit longer. I think they fixed something like a week or so ago. If you're listening to this uh, January, it may not even be around if you're listening to it. But uh, you can't really, I mean, cold calling will always be around. It's been like, it's like the, the, the marketing that's always been there. So cold calling is kind of our bread and butter at this point. Yeah. Um, you guys use VAs. Uh, do you use VAs or do you do it yourself? Yeah, we have six, five or six cold callers that are actually based out of Egypt. Oh, and wow. then, yeah, for our data manager, so we have a data manager, and then we have a person, uh, a VA that runs our also our um, our launch control and our follow up stuff. Those are in house hires there in the Philippines. Interesting. Um, why Egypt for uh, for your cold callers? Um, one of the biggest companies that we were using, uh, they they're just based out of there and the value of the dollar, their English is pretty good. And it's just a big call center area. So that's kind of where everything's uh, been rooted for us. Yeah. Makes sense. I've also heard um, South America or South Africa is a really good yep. place to get um, cold callers. Ours yep. are still uh, coming out of the Philippines, but um, you know, we've been looking for, for other areas. Uh, right on, man. So you prop stream county records, and then you skip it with kind skip. Um, it goes into REI sift. You guys do all the outreach, you do texting, you, you do cold calling. Um, yep. Once the leads come in, how do you, uh, how do you filter them? Yeah. So we round robin them to our acquisitions managers. So we have two acquisitions team members and they round robin them, they hit the leads. And basically after that, it's just the follow-up game. So we have 6,000, 7,000 leads in our CRM mm-hmm. and every day they're coming in and working through their tasks. So they're basically just following up with sellers. Hey, uh, I'm here still. 
I'm um, your guy whenever you're ready to go. So that's the difference between your cold calling type company versus your PPC company is your cold calling is it's just a nurture game. It's, hey, you have to be there when they're ready to sell. And PPC is going to be, hey, they're they're searching for you. They click sell my house fast. Like you got to be ready to answer that phone and be a killer on the phone sales wise to be able to lock that contract up because they're just going to go to the next person. I learned that in the home inspection business. Like they're calling Google. And if you don't answer the phone, they're going to the next person. That sale is gone within the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was actually the next question that I was going to ask you. Um, how often, how many times do you touch these sellers before you actually, you know, <laughs> get it under contract? Do you, do you have? Yeah. Answer? So our average, our average lead to contract right now on average is 40 leads for, for a contract. Okay. And then we're touching them somewhere between 20 to 25 times before they're signing a contract. Wow. 20 to 25. Yeah. And that means, you know, the first call, um, it sounds like texting and calling. So you do the first text maybe, and then you call them and then 25 calls or texts or emails after that, you finally, you know, get in that yep. contract. Yep. So that's why it's so important, especially if you're going to do wholesaling this way. I mean, you just got to be patient and you got to, the hardest part is the first 90 days is built just stuffing that funnel mm -hmm. with many people as you possibly can. So clarifying what a lead is and then making sure that you're getting leads in your system. For, so for us, we're very, very clear on that. It's do we have the right person? Is it the right phone number? And do they have the ability to sell that house? And do they want to sell that house at some point? We don't care about price. We don't care about anything else. Our data is clean. It's good. It's going down to the funnel because now, I mean, Big tech companies, they pay a lot of money for that data. You have the right person and you you know something about them. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious what you guys do with... Um, we've been kind of going back and forth when somebody that we reach out to, you know, they're selling a self-storage facility. Um, they said, I'd sell for the right price. And then they give the price and it's like a, a three cap, um, you know, something ridiculous. Do yeah. you keep somebody like that in your uh, CRM system and then just keep following up Absolutely. or do you just keep it as a dead lead? The only time we dead something is if they, for lack of a better term, they tell us fuck off. And that's the only time that, that they, that they get out because at some point in time they said yes, that they wanted to sell. So it, it, they could have been just completely screwing with you, but they could actually sell that house in the future. And you just want to continue to bug them and say, Hey, I'm, I'm your guy. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Nobody's going to get a three cap. And so eventually they're going to come down, down to reality. Um, it's all about managing expectations, you know? So everybody thinks their house or apartment building or storage facilities gold until they've fallen out of contract four or five times with people that are giving it to them. And then you're managing their expectation the entire time they're falling out of contract all these times. So now they're here, here, here. And you've anchored yourself here because you know that's what it's actually worth. It takes education to take doing this a lot of the time and just not getting... Because you emotionally, you just want to do it because it feels good to get that contract, but you have to stay there and you have to remind them, hey, there are going to be other jokers that's going to call you. They're going to lock it up at your price. And I promise you, they're not going to close. And if they do, congratulations. That's amazing. But when that falls out of contract, I'm going to call you and I'm going to tell you I said so. Yeah. And that gets us, I mean, that's in our sales process now is basically like saying, hey, watch out. This is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, um, I've been talking with a, the owner of an RV park um, on the East Coast, and we I've talked to him probably for two years, and he wants an obscene price for his his park. Um, and you know, he has I have a good relationship with him, and he keeps texting me, and I keep telling him like, "Hey, man, you know, you're asking for too much. The market is not going to support that." 
And he's gone in and out of contract with other buyers multiple times. You know, he's told me this and I, I just keep telling him like, you know, this is the price that'll work. Just, you know, let me know when you're ready and, and we'll move. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if somebody's asking for too much, it's it's no problem. Don't even don't yeah. even uh, consider it because eventually they will be coming down to the to the right price. Those contracts feel the best, too, after you work them for two years, three years, like and you touch them 150 times. It's like, I don't even care how much money I make on this house. Like I won this. Yeah, it's done. We did it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's talk about your, um, you know, true investing business where you actually buy and hold. Uh, it sounds like you yeah. do a lot of single family. Are you into yeah. mid scale, large scale, multifamily or, or what do you focus Not on? really yet. But so for the longest time and still to this day, I mean, we just picked off the deals that come through our wholesaling company. So we have a one-off eight unit that came through that marketing. We have a couple of commercial properties from the same stuff, but most of our marketing is one to four unit properties. Okay. So I'm very, very much invested 95% of my portfolio in um, single family, one to four unit residential. Yeah. Yeah. And Columbus has been doing really good um, in terms of metrics. I know you guys are big right. tech hub. And so just uh, appreciation. <laughs> crazy to think about. I'm just like, why are people coming to Columbus? But this is what it is. Yeah. What's the median price, um, home price in Columbus? Man, it's it's been going up. I would say like the average house in the the first time home buyer range is two fifty to three fifty. Okay, still, um, I wouldn't call it an expensive market, but it's definitely no. not cheap at this point. No, I mean, you, we had this conversation five years ago. I you pick up houses in the, the inner city, three bed, one bath, nine hundred to twelve hundred square foot for fifty, sixty, seventy grand. Mostly kind of turnkey all day, renting them for twelve hundred. I mean, I have a couple people I know just made an absolute killing. Yeah, just by owning a lot of those properties. Cool. All right, so we're running down the time. I'm gonna have to move us on, but before we do, um, what is next for you? What's next for your business? Uh, what's the next, you know, three to five years look like for you guys? Yes, I mean we we like the organic, steady growth. So right now we have 10 team members. We vertically integrate our business kind of with everything. So we, we own the property management company. We have the wholesaling company. We have the flipping side. We um, we have an education company. So really just continuing to grow those things and put the right people in the right place. And then once those bridges are built fully and systemized, and it's never going to be perfect, but then going foot on the gas on on the rental portfolio. So hopefully a couple hundred units, maybe a thousand units when it, uh, in the next five years. Cool, man. Love it. All right, it is uh, time to move on to the quick question round. Are you ready? Absolutely, let's do it. Do it. It starts with education. It could be books, could be um, Netflix shows, could be YouTube channels, whatever. I just need two recommendations, one for general life wisdom and then one for real estate. Um, man, general life wisdom. I'm gonna go real estate first. So I, this is kind of real estate-y, but who not how, that book. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Have you read it? Yeah, I haven't read it, but I've, um, I've it's been recommended before and uh, I've been told about the gist and it sounds like a good book. If you're a business owner and you want to actually grow something that you're not going to have to work at like a job forever, um, yeah. highly, highly recommend that. Um, general wisdom, I would say, uh, man, that's really hard. I, I think my parents, I mean, it's not a, it's not a book. It's just, yeah. they've had a great marriage relationship for over 30 years, uh, five kids. I'm about to be a father here soon. Just really heating their face. Thank you. Every time I tell, every time I kind of argue with my mom, and I, I typically go back to her in about a year or two and tell her she was right. So mom, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for, for being a, an asshole for so long when I was younger. <laughs> is this, uh, this going to be your first grandchild? Yeah. First grandchild. Nice. I bet she's stoked. 
Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> All right. Next question is uh, for your younger self. So let's go back. Um, let's say six years is when you did you started out on this journey. So let's go back six years ago uh, to your younger self. Go to him. Look him in the eye. Give him one piece of advice moving forward. Um, keep dreaming big and 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 keep pushing every day. It's not going to be easy, and uh, it's it's stuff you can't see every day. You chip away at it, you chip away at it, and you look back in those six years like, wow, this is what I dreamed of, and it actually came true. But it's because you work your your ass off every single day. So don't lose that blue collar work ethic, but dream uh, really really big. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's funny when you're working in the day to day, you don't really see the progress because you're making small adjustments to your business. Um, but you know, 365 days later, those little adjustments you made every single day make a huge difference. And so, um, great, great advice moves to us to the next question. This is about your business. Uh, the first three positions we hire form the foundation of the business moving forward. So what were they for you? And would you do them in a different order if you did it, did it again today? Yeah. So for me, I'm just going to speak kind of on the wholesaling business because that's kind of our, our more staffed business. Um, number one was an acquisitions person. So my my, you want to first sit in that seat and you got to start driving revenue as fast as you can and then hire that out. And then after that, you want to hire a admin slash TC, maybe a VA that's going to help you with the monotonous list pulling and the scrubbing and all that stuff to keep the marketing going. And then after that, you can have maybe a mixed bag of uh, dispo acquisitions. So you need somebody to sell the deals eventually um, or maybe... Yeah, I would say uh, transaction coordination slash dispo. Maybe somebody that can do both. Nice. All right, next question. Um, I think I know the answer to this one because uh, you only invest in one metro, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, the United States is a big place. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Taking Columbus off the table, if you could invest yeah. in one other market, what would be the market that you'd be most excited about investing? I think I would go into like Tampa, Florida. Okay. I, I, I think there's, I mean, there's so much, it's so big and there's so much opportunity or like a Dallas. I mean, everybody I know in those markets, there's just so many places to market to. Columbus is still very small when, in the grand scheme of big markets. Yeah. So being able to root myself and I also like the sun. Um, I'm in Ohio. I've lived here my whole life. It's just like, got to get down in the sun at some point. Yeah. No, I feel you there. I'm in from Washington and uh, whenever we go down to California and it's sunny, I'm just like, man, you got it. You got it made down here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question is um, about your biggest lesson learned. Uh, not every deal we get into goes the way we expect it. Sometimes a wrench is thrown into the mix and uh, the deal goes a little sideways, but those deals give us the best lessons that we can use moving forward. So sure. what was the deal that went a little sideways for you and what was the lesson you pulled from it? Yeah. When I was 23, I did my first flip uh, with my uncle. We lost a hundred grand on that house. <laughs> Um, that's a whole nother story for another day. I've got other videos on it if people want to listen to that. But um, the gist of it was one, I mean, it was a 4,000 square foot house, five beds, six baths, or six bed, five baths, whatever it is. Um, don't bite off more than you can chew. If you want to flip houses, if you want to own rental properties, it's, it, the HGTV stuff is cool. But the, the money in the bank and making money is even cooler. So pick something that you can be repeatable. So a three bed, one bath in a highly dense area with the same type of houses, very easy, repeatable, comparable sales, and just do what those people are doing. I mean, I built a very, very high level business with a very boring business model. We just yeah. do the same stuff 
over and over again. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Boring, uh, boring is better than, um, something exciting, but that doesn't, isn't completely guaranteed. Absolutely. Um, all right. Next question is, uh, about your strengths. Um, we are all gifted with strengths that we uniquely provide this world. So what is your Superman strength? Uh, leadership, um, leadership, being able to lead by example, I'm not a very good manager. I've learned that over time. Um, so being the visionary being the leader, um, being able to paint the picture, because especially if you're, if you start to build a business that has a decent amount of employees or team members, you have to have a big enough vision for their vision to fit within your vision. Right. So that, that's the only way that they can grow. And the only way somebody is going to work for you if they can grow and build a career out of it. So you have to take that very seriously as the, if you are in that integrator seat and sometimes you're in both, but you have to have those, the, the leadership. Nice. Um, all right. Last question. This is for the listeners. Um, you've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you. How can they find you? And then what can they expect when they reach out? Yeah. So the, the easiest way is to, if you want to chat with me, actually, uh, Tommy Har zero five on Instagram. Um, been putting out a lot of content for the last two, two and a half years on there. Um, follow me, uh, connect with me. And then further than that, just, just let me know how I can help. I love to help. I love to give people good advice. Just all I ask is ask good questions. You get, you get good answers. Like that's, that's the only thing. There you go. All right. I will put um, your link in the show notes. So if you guys want to reach out, just click the little more in the description. It'll pull down that full description and in there you can find the link. Awesome. All right, Tommy, that uh, wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Dude, really, really appreciate it. Thank you for your time this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe with realestateinvestingclub.com. If you guys want to support the show, just give us a like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.